0: Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 15 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. We left off last time with a promise to talk more about Parker and what it did to combat declining output of water from the Denver Basin aquifers. After Parker, we'll move to some recent developments with Thornton and its attempts to bring what was previously ag water back to Thornton in a big pipe. About 40 years ago, Parker, which sits above the deepest part of the Denver basin, began to worry about a disturbing trend. Its wells were declining. If their wells continued to drop 30 feet a year or only slowed by half that amount, they knew those wells could be toast. I remember talking to one of Parker's managers He told me that it was always cheaper to keep drilling wells, but it was like repairing an old car. Sure, you can keep it running, but at some point it is going to crater and you'll have to buy a new one. Suppose a municipal well had produced 800 gallons of water a minute. It may slow to half that over time. So now you have to drill another well that will probably produce the same 400 gallons per minute. If those two slow to half again, you'll have to drill two new wells to maintain the original 800 gallons per minute. And that's just to keep up with present needs. No water for growth. When you are on wells and they start slipping, that's a long slope down with no way back up. Parker, with 26 wells, would have needed 177 more to keep pace with growth and declining well production. Other water districts watched what was happening in Castle Rock and Parker and swore off any attempt to use groundwater. Cities were moving away from water wells. There is still a lot of water down there, but how do you economically get it to the surface? More importantly, Can you rely on it to serve a booming population? It looked like the days of groundwater were forever dead, but the pendulum on groundwater use may be swinging back. If cities can figure out how to adequately recharge groundwater aquifers, they can again be a dependable source of water. More on that in the next episode. Let's finish with Parker. In 1981, when things were beginning to boom in Parker, Parker Water and Sanitation District was financially troubled. That's when Frank Yeager joined the board and later became its manager. He was hard driving and was never shy about speaking his mind. He had a reputation as a brash, bullish leader, but he got things done. He slowly built up the district's infrastructure received permission to divert excess flows from Cherry Creek, and got public authorization to build Ruder Hess Reservoir. This was the first federally approved off-stream reservoir in more than 20 years. Many thought Ruder Hess was just a pipe dream. I did. After all, there's not a big watershed upstream of Ruder Hess and very little snowmelt to fill it. This is an off-stream reservoir. Parker started seriously looking at a reservoir project in 1985. After EPA approved it in 2004, construction began. The dam was completed in 2012, and there it sat as an empty bucket. A few thought it would never fill, but a very large snowstorm in May 2015 dang near filled it. What luck! But they still have to keep it full. When full, Ruderhess can hold about 75,000 acre-feet. Of that, Parker has leased 8,000 acre-feet of storage space to Castle Rock, 1,500 acre-feet to Castle prance North, 1,200 to Stonegate Village. 40,000 acre-feet of storage is reserved for Parker. This leaves about 18,000 acre-feet of storage uncommitted. So, if you want a bucket to put water in, Parker will probably lease some storage space to you. Of course, you have to bring your own water. Under Yeager's direction, Parker bought 4,000 acres of farmland in eastern Colorado to acquire senior water rights to help fill Ruder Hess Reservoir. That's 100 miles to the east. Yep, a pipeline is in the planning stages. Colorado is truly hurting for water. Bruce Lytle with Lytle Water Services has helped Parker with its planning to fill the reservoir. The reservoir contains both surface water and water from the deepest aquifer, the Laramie Fox Hills. Yeager, by the way, retired in 2013. It is reported that his brash ways may have run up against his board and he was asked to leave. Don't know that. Ruderhess Hess Reservoir was originally sited in 1991. Of course, to make it work, Parker had to jump through all the environmental hoops and water court action to adjudicate a new water storage right. Lytle used heavy duty water rights modeling to make all this happen. He developed a reservoir operational model to demonstrate purpose and need related to obtaining a section 404 permit for the reservoir. Maybe we'll try to explain some of this modeling later, but for now, know that this is where water rights engineers earn their keep. Computer simulations take into account all water rights, all stream flows, etc. They are complicated, but are needed to explain to opposing experts and the judge, how it works. At the same time, Parker joined the South Metro Water Supply Authority to be able to access existing pipes owned by Denver and Aurora under their WISE program. Infrastructure is critical to moving water around to keep all water rights holders satisfied. You can probably Google Bruce Lyle for a more detailed explanation. It's far too deep to include in a podcast. Like Alice's restaurant song, you need to see the circles and arrows on the photographs to understand how it works. One of my favorite songs, by the way. Parker Surface Water Rights now include holdings in Cherry Creek and Newland Gulch supplies, as well as water from the Cherry Creek Aquifer and Denver Basin Bedrock Aquifer water. They also have about 4,000 acre feet of ag water from its Logan County farms in Eastern Colorado. Again, about a hundred miles away. They have the right to their reuse water. Not sure, but this is probably the right to use their sewage effluent. Don't know how they're using that. Remember that water from fully consumable water rights and are from non-tributary wells, can be used to extinction. Reuse water is approximately 46% of the total Denver Basin, Cherry Creek, and WISE program water supplies for Ruder Hess. In order to use the Logan County water, Lytle teamed with the Lower South Platte Water Conservancy District, an agricultural water supply district, he developed a point flow model on the South Platte River, which included all of the diversions from the river and all the water rights calls on the river to assess water supply availability at various locations. This is touted as the first collaboration between municipal and agricultural entities to combine a large water supply diversion and storage project. It should benefit both farmers and the growing population of Colorado without having to buy and dry. Man, this is wringing every drop of water out of the plat as possible while keeping existing water rights owners satisfied. The modeling and administration of this complicated plan is way beyond me. The project includes two new reservoirs, one downstream reservoir as equalization storage to move water upstream when flows are available, as well as release water for irrigation purposes, and a new 72,000 acre foot reservoir to capture excess surface flows when they are available. Now this is downstream, close, if not within Logan County. An existing 34,000-acre-foot reservoir is also planned to be used as a four-bay to move water off the river during high flows and then pump that water to the new reservoir. A pump and pipeline system will move water back to Ruder-Hess and will also deliver water to the lower South Platte River to supplement available irrigation supplies. Whoa, talk about complicated but that is what the future of Colorado water looks like. Work like hell to keep everyone happy. My gut tells me that it will come down to money. When someone thinks they're not getting all the water they ever got, you end up buying them out. And what happens to the price of water? I think the only direction is up and away. So now we know that there's a lot of water under Denver, but not dependable for a long-term supply. It seems that all cities want renewable supplies, but even those renewable supplies seem to be dwindling with climate change. I dare not get into climate change. We just have to wait and see what long-term effects are, but I know cities are trying to plan for earlier, faster, and less snow melt runoff and collection my hat is off to them. I think we all appreciate that our faucets continue to have beautiful, clean water when we turn the water on. The purpose of this podcast series is to inform you that it is terribly complicated to keep all water rights holders satisfied and yet increase municipal supplies. For Denver and points South, mainly Douglas County, The only source of renewable water is the Platte River. More pressure will be brought to bear on farms in and around Brighton, for supplies to feed the Denver Metro area. For cities further north, they will continue to work with sources that are tributary to the Platte, such as Boulder Creek, St. Vrain, Big Thompson, and Poudre. More pressure will also come to the Northern Colorado Water Conservancy District to figure out how to better use their storage facilities. Let's shift gears for a minute or two. We talked way back in episode four about Thornton buying farms in Well County in 1988. They have been working diligently since then to convert the irrigated ground they bought to dry land farming. Thornton successfully transferred the water in Watercourt to municipal use and began planning its 75-mile, 42-inch diameter pipeline to Thornton. Then, both Larimer and Weld County opposed the transfer of water out of their counties. Larimer County used the 1041 process to delay and deny construction of the pipeline. Weld County used its use-by-special-review permitting regulations to deny Thornton's permits. Is that right? Should one county be allowed to thwart the plans of another? Disagreement over moving water from one county to another seems similar to interstate disagreements. There should be an overarching body that can make a decision on what is best for the state. Is it best for the state that Thornton spent all that money and effort and have to leave the water it legally owns just sit? what will Thornton do for its future water supply? Are they going to have to attack that portion of the platte that is in Denver and Adams County? That ain't much, and it's in demand by others. In short, we need a King Solomon to divide the baby. In this case, it seems to me the governor of our state has to step in and help one side or the other. Politicians don't like to ruffle feathers, so as this is not something the governor is anxious to do, but he should. I thought Thornton would have to sue Larimer and Well counties to force the court to rule on whether or not Thornton can move water out of these two counties. There should be some way to settle disagreements between counties, and son of a gun, there may be, at least for the Well County portion. There is a state statute that can be used to overrule county commissioners' decisions. I looked it up and will discuss it in a minute. Here is the latest on what is happening with Thornton. Since the Weld County Board of Commissioners' decision to deny the city of Thornton's application to build its water pipeline through the county, Thornton City Council has voted to use a state statute to overrule the commissioner's decision the statute will allow Thornton to bypass the Well County Board's decision and commence pipeline construction. Wow, this could be one of those situations where the Well County Commissioners direct the Well Sheriff Department to go out and stop construction. I wonder if they will have to draw their guns to make that happen. We may not be done with guns and water rights yet. If Thornton can bypass the County Commissioner's decision, this will allow them to skip an otherwise lengthy and cumbersome process for getting their pipeline approved. Thornton feels like time is running out. Thornton's goal is to complete its pipeline from a reservoir near Fort Collins by 2025. So far, the city has built six miles in jurisdictions where Thornton has negotiated agreements. However, the two longest sections, one in unincorporated Larimer County and the other in unincorporated Well County, have faced setbacks. Thornton believes it has worked hard to follow all of the processes and regulations required in every jurisdiction the project will impact. But at the end of the day, it was up to the county commissioners. So that may get Thornton past Well County, but not necessarily Larimer County. The Larimer County commissioners denied Thornton's application for a 1041 permit to build the pipeline in 2019. This has led to ongoing court battles between the city and Larimer County. The state statute that could essentially reverse the Well County's commissioner's decision is in Colorado revised statutes 30-28-110, subsection 1, subsection C, which allows a utility that is financing and authorizing the construction of a project to overrule a denial by a county board of commissioners. Okay, so I went and read 30-28-110 of the statutes. Remember, I am not an attorney, but here's what I think it says. Section 1A says that a planning commission may deny a project. Section 1B then says that the county commissioners overruling that planning commission can reverse the denial and allow construction to go forward. But in Thornton's case, it is the county commissioners themselves that are denying Thornton's application. So section 1C comes into play. I'm going to read it and then interpret it as I read it. Here goes. If the public way, ground, space, building, structure, or utility is one the authorization or financing of, which does not, under the law governing the same, fall within the province of the board of county commissioners or other county officials or board. The submission to the commission shall be the body or official having such jurisdiction and the commission's disapproval. Now, I'm not going to finish reading all of it, but that's fun. Actually, I love lawyers. They have to say it in a way that avoids misinterpretation. There's a big difference between misinterpretation and confusion. Here's what I think it says as it specifically applies to Thornton. If a pipeline's construction or financing does not fall under control of the board of county commissioners, the county commissioner's disapproval may be overruled by Thornton. Lots simpler. Anyway, Thornton will use this statute to try to move its long overdue project forward. When the project was first proposed in the late 1980s, Thornton hoped to have it constructed and bringing water down by 2001. At least that was the plan. But since Larimer County used the 1041 process, a state-sanctioned process, it may not so easily overrule Larimer County's position. Man, 1041 needs to be reviewed and maybe modified, or those counties at the headwaters of all our streams will have water control over all other downstream users. Does that seem right? Depends on who you ask, I guess. How much longer does Thornton have to wait? Gee, I'm glad I'm not Mark Coliber. Good guy. He has been patiently directing this project for Thornton for years and years. I think he is not going to retire until it's done. Mark, you may not live to be 105. Good luck. One of the purposes of this podcast is to suggest that our rules for moving water need to be changed. I think this even includes parts of our 100-plus-year-old Doctrine of Prior Appropriation. After all, as time marches forward and society changes, our laws change. That's the way the founders of our country intended it. They knew that specific laws couldn't serve us forever. Things change. I don't have meaningful suggestions. But a state appointed commission could dig into ways to fairly make changes to the cumbersome system we now have to administer water and water rights. This should include the 1041 process, our priority system, definition of non tributary, and other outdated laws and regulations that hinder rather than promote better use of our water resources. I'm sure there are experts out there that share my opinion on how cumbersome our process is today. Come on, legislators, start talking about a new approach rather than having to bend over backwards to make the old system work. Yep, it will require a lot of hearings to get it right, but something should happen. Go for it. Let's hear from experts that will weigh in with their opinions. Time for us to stop. Let's go listen to our mountain stream. Next time, we will begin to discuss aquifer storage and recovery projects, ASR. This is a way to once again utilize groundwater. Okay, see you next time.